What a blessing. Well, I trust that you had a a very happy Christmas and that uh, you've enjoyed the special times with family and friends over these days and how special it is to be able to gather uh, one final time in this year, 2007, as a church family and to worship the Lord together. I would invite you on this final Sunday of 2007 to turn in your copy of the Scriptures to Luke's Gospel one more time, to Luke chapter 2, and read Luke's account of that day that followed the birth of Jesus in the temple courts when two elderly saints looking for the consolation of Israel found God once again to be faithful and His promises to be trustworthy. And we read in Dr. Luke's account in verse 21 of chapter 2, these words. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, that is Jesus, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. 
when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord for us today. I want you to to look at an image on the screen. I hope you can see it. And I want you to look at it carefully. What do you see there? Do you see a young girl? Or do you see an old woman? How many of you see a young girl? Could I see your hands? How many of you see an old woman? Well, we're, we're definitely favoring the young girl side. It is actually both. In this ambiguous image, and I see some of you women pointing it out to your slow husbands. <laughs> In this ambiguous image, you can either see an old woman or a young lady. It is impossible to see both at once. But with some effort, you can make your brain consciously shift between the two images. If you see the old woman, then I would encourage you to look at her nose and imagine it as a chin instead. Suddenly, the old woman transforms into a young girl. If you saw the young girl, imagine that her chin is a nose. (laughs) Don't you love it? One of those aha moments. And when you make that shift, the old woman will pop into view. Does everybody see both now? Is there anybody that's confused? If you are, you probably had one too many sugar cookies this week, and there's no hope for you. It seems to me that whether you see a young girl or an old woman depends upon your perspective and what you focus on, where your eye zeroes in. It seems to me that in our Scripture text today, there are two people who have extraordinary sight. They have heavenly eyesight. We meet them in in Dr. Luke's account. Their names are Simeon and Anna. They're both old. Without a doubt, like many of us who are now into progressive lenses, their eyesight is failing. But despite the fact that they have failing eyesight, they have 20-20 vision when it comes to things spiritual. They are alert. They are vigilant. They are searching. And they're searching for something in particular. They're searching for the promise of God, for the consolation of Israel, for the promised Messiah, the one who would redeem all of Israel. Simeon, the 
first character that Luke introduces us to is found in the temple courts. He'd been prompted to go there by the Holy Spirit. It was his habit to go to the temple. And on that particular day in Dr. Luke's account, it tells us that while Simeon was in the temple courts, that Mary and Joseph came to the temple in Jerusalem to perform the Jewish rituals of the mother's purification and the presentation of the child to God uh, after the birth of a firstborn son, which was required according to Jewish law. Simeon occupies his favorite pew, and he's waiting, waiting, waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled. Even though he's advanced in years, he has the eyesight, the spiritual eyesight of an eagle. And the moment that Mary and Joseph step into the temple courts, there is for Simeon that aha moment, that moment of of holy satisfaction in which Simeon he lands his eyes on this little baby Jesus in the arms of Mary and Joseph. And he recognizes, recognizes this infant as the promised Messiah, the Lord Christ, the Anointed One. And in almost a stage whisper, he foretells to Mary and Joseph the pain of the cross and the pain that it will bring to Mary's heart and soul. And then he takes this child Jesus in his arms and he lifts Uh, The baby Jesus, I get a picture in my own mind of this, kind of like the old uh, television miniseries Roots, where, you know, Kunta Kinte, you know, that, that kind of lifting up. And Simeon lifts the baby Jesus in the midst of temple worship. And he says these words. Listen to his words in the 29th verse. Sovereign Lord, just as you have promised. Just as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Simeon says, my life is over. I've run the race. I've finished the journey. I don't need any more. Because the promise of God to my forefathers has now been fulfilled just as the Lord had promised. It has now been fulfilled in my lifetime. And he says, now, Lord, dismiss your servant in peace. In fact, the song of Simeon is uh, typically referred to as in the Latin liturgy as the nunc dimittis, which means now dismiss. Now, Lord, dismiss your servant in peace, for I have seen the salvation of Israel, the nunc dimittis. In fact, it was the great Genevan reformer John Calvin who suggested that every Protestant worship service should end with the song of Simeon, the nunc dimittis, because we have seen the glory of the only begotten of the Father that John wrote about in our gospel lesson today. Praise the Lord. We've seen Jesus. And the question that occurs to me as we read the story of Simeon and of Anna the prophetess as well is how is it that these two people 
were able to see the Messiah, to see Jesus when everybody else missed him. How was Simeon able to see in the form of this little baby in Mary's arm, how was he able to know that this was the Lord's Christ, the Messiah, promised of old by the prophet? The temple was full of people. No one else recognized him. No one else saw him as the Messiah. How was it that Simeon and Anna were able to see him? I mean, the angel didn't, at least it's not recorded in Scripture, the angel that announced the birth to the shepherd did not come to Simeon and said, you know, on this day, go to the temple because the Messiah will be there. There was no sign hanging around the baby Jesus' neck that said, this is the Messiah, this is the Messiah. There was no blue light special saying, here it is, here it is. How was it that Simeon and Anna were able to recognize him? I think the answer is this. That God the Holy Spirit gave them special insight. He illumined their eyes and their hearts and they were able to see that this was the promised one of Israel. He didn't come as a conquering king. He didn't come as an avenging hero. He didn't come in grand royal robes like Israel was looking for, but He came wrapped in swaddling clothes, a peasant child in strips of cloth. How did Simeon know who Jesus was? Because the Holy Spirit gave him insight. And that same Spirit which gave insight to Simeon and also to Anna the prophetess, I believe is at work in my life and in yours today. And if we will allow Him that the Spirit of God will give us visual clarity to be able to see things in ways that others without the Spirit's help cannot see. The Holy Spirit who was upon Simeon and Anna, this righteous man and woman, were in touch. They were in tune with God's frequency. They had tuned their lives to God's perfect pitch. And they saw this Jesus for who He really was. The promised Messiah, the Son of God. And all of this leads me to ask, myself and you, will we recognize Jesus when He comes to us? Will we recognize the glory of God when it's revealed in our life? Will we recognize Jesus when we encounter Him next month and this week or even later today? Or will we miss Him? Because we're so caught up in earthly affairs. The fact is, we will encounter Him. His glory is all around. I see it everywhere. Do you? I saw the glory of the Lord last evening just before the sun set and I looked out our back window and saw 12 cheery red cardinals underneath our bird feeder. The glory of the Lord was ablaze in the backyard of 210 15 Florida Road last night. 
I see the glory of the Lord when, when I take my dog Sadie, my English setter, a walk through the virgin snow in the woods where nobody else has walked across the creek and up through the hemlocks back to the cherry grove. I see the glory of the Lord. I saw the glory of the Lord a couple of weeks ago when there was a fresh fallen snow that covered every limb in our woods. And when my wife of 27 years and I bundled up like Ralphie in the Christmas story, and we walked through the woods and I looked into her face and I said, I love you. I saw the glory of the Lord. I saw the glory of the Lord seated around our dining room table as my family joined together to celebrate the birth of Christ. I saw the glory of the Lord in a little boy this morning whose name was Matthew. It's the first time I'd ever met him. He's a seven-year-old, and I asked him if he had a nice Christmas. And he began to tell me about all the wonderful gifts he received this Christmas. And I said, what was your most favorite gift? And he said, there were two. Two fleecy blankets, one that has a polar bear on it and the other that has snowflakes on it. And as I knelt down and wished him a happy new year, I saw the face of Jesus in that little boy. I've seen the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus in you as you have reached out to our neighbors on head drive with compassion and love. I've seen the glory of the Lord in godly men and women who are people of prayer and intercession. I see the glory of the Lord in this church family and and how God is working a special work in our life together as a community of faith. But it would be oh so easy for me to miss all of these evidences of God's glory if I get trapped by earthly things. I want to be like Simeon. I want to have 2020 spiritual vision. I love the story of Dr. Tony Campolo, who, who tells of one day when he was walking on the streets of inner city Philadelphia, and he saw what he referred to, his words, not mine, he referred to as a bum coming down the street. He said this man had a huge beard and there was rotting food in the midst of the gray, long whiskers. And though it was August, this bum was wearing a a long wool overcoat, and he was mumbling to himself as he drank a cup of McDonald's coffee. Suddenly, this dirty, smelly bum stopped Tony and said, Hey, mister, would you like some of my coffee? And Tony Campolo said, Well, that's very kind, but I don't think so today. No, thank you very much. And Tony continued on his way. But then he was halted by the Holy Spirit. And Tony went back to the bum and said, you know what? On second thought, yes, I will have some of your coffee. And very gingerly, (laughs) Tony took a sip of the man's coffee. And he said to him, you've been awfully generous with your morning coffee. And the man said, well, the coffee was especially good this morning. And when God gives you something good, you ought to share it. 
Tony then asked the man, well, is there anything that I can give you? He figured that the bum was going to hit him up for five or ten dollars. Yes, the bum said, you can give me a hug. Tony thought to himself, I was hoping for five dollars. <laughs> But he reached over and he hugged the bum. And the man held on to Tony for what seemed like an eternity. And Tony says, and then my vision was clarified. And I realized that I was hugging Jesus. Jesus said, when you do it to the least of these, my brothers, You've done it to me. When you bring the cup of cold water, when you visit the sick and the dying, when, when you go to, to pay a visit to those who are in prison, you've not done it just to them, but you've done it to me. Our Scripture tells us that it's not enough to recognize Jesus. But we must do something about it. When we recognize the glory of the Lord, we must do. Our faith needs to spring into action. And when we do, we must do what Simeon and Anna did. We need to proclaim His salvation. We need to tell about His love and His mercy as it has been displayed in our life. When we recognize Jesus and what He's done for us, it compels some type of active response on our part. And proclaiming Jesus' love is that response, both in word and in deed. I think far too often we get hung up thinking that our love must be lived out in extravagant or dramatic ways. Dr. Fred Craddock, a great preacher, says that we often think that giving our all means paying the ultimate price of a martyr's life. Like, I'm ready to give it all, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. But Craddock says that we think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table and saying, here's my life, Lord, I'm giving it all to you. But Craddock argues that the reality for most of us in this life is that God sends us to the bank and he has us cash in the $1,000 bill for quarters. And that we go through life putting 25 cents here and 25 cents there and 25 cents here and 25 cents there. And that as we go through life, if we're alert, God will bring people across your path that he wants you to bless. He wants you to proclaim the love of Jesus, not only in words, but in deed as well. And so that if you would be like Simeon, if you would be like Anna, if you would be alert and vigilant and searching and watching, that this good news that we have celebrated this Christmas, that is a reality I trust in your heart today, that you could take this and begin to share it with others. Because the glory of the Lord is all around. Don't miss it. Open your eyes.
all around us. And there's opportunities to proclaim this great good news of joy. So my prayer for you and for myself as we launch into this year that stretches out before us is that we would have unusual eyesight to see the world as Jesus sees it. To respond to this hurting world with the love of Christ and the good news of the gospel. And that as we do, the glory of the Lord, the Shekinah glory of God, will rest upon us. And we will enjoy His favor until the Lord returns. May our lives be tuned to the Jesus frequency, God's perfect pitch, to see Jesus wherever we go. Let us pray together. I pray for myself, O God, that you would make me alert to the glories of God that abound on every side. Help me, O God, that as you bring people across my path to listen, to be in tune, to not only say the words, but to live the life, to be Jesus to someone today, next week, this coming year. I give you permission as you tune the heart of Simeon and Anna. I give you permission today, O God, to tune my spirit to God's perfect pitch to recognize Jesus in the people that I come in contact with in my everyday world. And I pray, O God, that we will be a church that will see this world as you see it and that we will not hesitate nor lack courage in reaching out to even the least of these, and when we do, know that we are doing it even as unto you. Bless this church. You've been our help in this past year. And indeed, Lord, as we look forward to the year ahead, even though we live in days of trial and trouble, we are confident of this, that the sovereign Lord is on the throne. And you are the God of ages past. And you are our hope for years to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.